welcome to Live Long and Dad. I'm your host, Cosmo. It's a podcast made by a stay-at-home dad of three who's trying to wade his way through the waters of this craziness. In our first episode, I shared with you the craziness behind our most recent pregnancy that resulted in, or ended in, our two premature twins. Uh, I guess I don't need to say two twins, do I? Our premature twins being born, uh, they should be home early next week. Today, I'm going to share with you the story of our firstborn, James, because that pregnancy was no smooth ride either. So, James turned five on March 26th. He was born in 2015, all the way back then. I was coaching high school football at the time. We had to do fertility treatment, just like for the twins, um, doing the hormone shots to stimulate the egg follicles, make them drop, and timed intercourse worked. We got James. Super excited. And um, his original due date was May 26th, I believe. And so it was early fall was the early part of the pregnancy and initially things were going okay um but we did have a couple of bumps uh she one day went to work she's a teacher and called me on her drive to work crying screaming uh in lots of pain we're both thinking it's a miscarriage but why is it so painful we're only at like week six probably and cut to the chase it was a burst um cyst in her ovary and super painful nothing to do but take some morphine and wait for that stuff to come out and didn't affect james just super painful super scary because for those few hours we didn't know what the heck was going on things progressed okay from there uh, the rest of the fall was fairly uh, uneventful we took a trip my wife and i up to placerville california it's a small town in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. My grandmother used to have a ranch up there, which my dad and uncle sold in uh, 2013, no, 2016. 2016 they sold it, uh, which was a real shame. So 2015, uh, we went up there. It was winter break and beautiful ranch. Um, talk about that on another episode uh but 360 acres just in the pine filled mountains of northern california uh houses built in the 1860s so beautiful heidi and i fell in love with it up there and so we spent 11 days up there and little did we know this was going to be our last vacation last really anything before the birth of james and she had started experiencing what she thought was the baby kicking. And we get back down here to L.A. in early January for the anatomy scan. 
It's now week 20 of the pregnancy, and I am super excited. I can't wait to find out if it's a boy or a girl. I, I really wanted a boy. Um, if, if I got a boy, then I wouldn't need another kid. I, I'd be up for it. But if I got a girl, I'd, I would definitely want to try one, again one more time and try and get a boy. I am the only, um, my uncle had two daughters and I'm an only child. So I am the end of this uh, more line. And uh, so I'm super excited for the anatomy scan. And as they're doing the ultrasound, finally they spill the beans and say, oh, there, there's the penis. It's a boy. And I am just euphoric, and I'm not picking up on the sudden tension from the ultrasound tech, but my wife does, and she's doing more looking, and eventually she says, uh, I'm going to have somebody else come in and take a look. And me being a, a guy and still excited that it's a boy, not picking up on any of this. Come to find out, that my wife's cervix was short. She has an incompetent cervix. A normal cervix is about four centimeters thick. Hers was down to 0.4 centimeters. Super thin. So baby boy is hanging in there just by I mean, 0.4 centimeters. That's tiny. And she is having contractions. They sent us up to labor and delivery. My parents are in Hawaii on a trip. And so we are just all alone. They give her anti-contraction meds, which sort of work, but the contractions are making the cervix thin out even more. And the next few days are kind of a blur, but at some point they tell us, all right, we can try a cerclage, which is a stitch across the cervix to try and keep the baby in there. But your cervix is so thin that there's a 50-50 chance that we burst the water sack and the pregnancy ends right there. Oh, man. And so we have the very heavy decision of, do we do nothing? Uh, which, for us, it was a pretty easy decision. Because if we do nothing, uh, th that thing's not going to hold. He's going to come at week 21 and not be viable. And So we wanted to give him a fighting chance. So we go for the cerclage, and cerclage works. It, uh, they get enough. They, they can't obviously get much meat for the stitch. Uh, and I, it's not just me being crude and calling it that the doctor said they got very little meat for the stitch. Um, but it worked. Wife is then put on strict bed rest for the remainder of the pregnancy, week 20. And fast forward to right now, she was put on bed rest for this pregnancy at week five. So uh, looking back, not that bad. At least she got that first trimester. But uh, so she sent home and my life really changed at that point. Um, that was the last time I played video games at, uh, of any sort for over a year. I think uh, around Christmas, uh, the following year, one night, uh, Heidi and James went out to look at lights, and I tried playing a video game for the first time, and uh, 
the update required <laughs> took like 45 minutes and I gave up. Um, but yeah, it was super stressful having her on bed rest, trying to take care of her physically and emotionally. And she had to basically lay on her side, uh, the whole time. And the bed rest part goes pretty smoothly. Um, she is a trooper, uh, just gets up to go to the bathroom and sit on a stool in the shower and she does everything she can and we're going and seeing the doctor every week then it turns into every two weeks because things are pretty stable we go in at week 31 and that that's well within the safe zone and the doctor says you know things are going pretty good and we're getting to the point where I, I don't want to keep bringing you in because we're, we're in the safe area. And, um, but you know what, let me just take a manual look in there. Not just an ultrasound. Let me take a peek inside the vagina and see what's going on. And so she takes a look and she's like, Oh boy, the cerclage is torn and off to the side. Now we were told that it would be a, a painful, bloody mess when, that thing tears nope we, we thought everything was fine so they're like okay you're not leaving baby's coming real soon uh okay week, week 31 and uh no timetable they're gonna try and keep them in there days if they can i go to work um i was working security for a event at the high school i was coaching football at and figured Earn some money and I can get to the hospital in 15 minutes if I need to. So I got to stand around the track and make sure people don't eat anything on our nice football field while I'm worried about my wife. And her water breaks around 8 p.m. I get over there and James is born at 950, oh, 953, I think. Um, they had to, I think they suctioned him out or used a plunger or something. They, they had to get him out of there because he became in distress at one point or his, something happened with his heart rate. Uh, but they get him out of there and do their thing over in the corner for a minute. And then they bring him over and I get a nice picture and we get to say hi to him really quick. And then they take him off to the NICU with the most recent ones, the twins. Uh, they said no filming and I didn't get a decent picture of him. They, crowded around them and did their thing and then whisked them off even faster. So at least they brought James over to us and we got to see him. And uh, family was in the waiting room and a couple of good friends stopped by there too. So that was James's birth. Stressful, but <laughs> compared to this one, uh, in retrospect, nothing too big. Uh, the nurse messed up and did not wake Heidi to uh, pump to get the boob milk going. And so she slept through the night and that kind of jacked up her production. I guess that first pump is really important. Uh, and then we saw, got to see James that next morning. It takes a long time when they get him in the NICU to get him settled in. And we're happy. Uh, the first three days he's in the NICU the what the nurses are telling us at first is 
oh, he's doing okay. Uh, and by day three, they were saying stuff like, oh, he's so strong. He's progressing really fast. So we've got some confidence building up and we're getting excited. He was three pounds, 10 ounces, 18 inches long, or no, 17 inches long. And uh, beautiful, beautiful little guy. So we're starting to feel confident, but that's all about to change. But first, before I get into that, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Let me just talk real brief about where I'm recording this podcast. I am out in our car. Um, this is all new to me. I'm by no means a skilled podcaster or anything like that. I'm doing this on my iPad. And my wife is in the living room watching TV and pumping her boobs. Uh, we don't necessarily live in a small house. Uh, we're very fortunate. But my bedroom shares a common wall with James's room, so I don't want to podcast in there because I don't want to have to talk hushed. It's nighttime and he's asleep. And then his playroom is on the other side of the house and shares a common wall with James, so that's not good. My office shares a door with the living room, and it's a sliding door, so I, you guys would be hearing the TV through there. And then Heidi would be hearing me blabbing away too. So that's not a good spot. I would love to do it in my backyard. Uh, there's some car noise, but there is a very noisy dog that lives five houses down. And it's very loud. And the owners are not good dog owners. Last night that dog was barking until I fell asleep at 1 a.m., and it's a shame right now. It's April 15th. It's a beautiful night. I would love to have every window in the house open and getting fresh air in. But there's that dang dog. And so uh, I could sit in my very cluttered garage uh, with no comfortable chairs and probably spiders coming to get me. Or I could sit in my car. Not ideal, but meh. And so you might hear a helicopter going over every once in a while. We live under uh, a helicopter flight path. We're lucky it's not an airplane flight path. My in-laws that live a mile north, they are under the Burbank Airport flight path. And they look like they're 100 feet above them. I'm sure it's like 500 feet, but they fly really, really close. And uh, so, yeah, if you hear any background noise, that's what that is. And I apologize. Uh, I, like I said, I have no idea what this podcasting journey will end up being. And uh, I figure even if I have zero listeners, this is a good exercise. And I'm essentially writing a journal. And so there you have it. So we left off with James's birth. First three days, things seem to be going well. I'm working, like I said, as a high school football coach and security at a really crappy bar slash club. It wants to be Hollywood, but it's in Van Nuys and it's pretentious. Uh, I hate it, but it paid me 20 an hour. And because it was a crappy bar, it wasn't particularly busy. So I didn't have to work particularly hard, except for when there would be a super ghetto fight or something. 
I did get punched in the face there and get my tooth knocked in because I wouldn't let four guys in when it was already very crowded with guys. It was like a 70% guy night, and uh, they took offense and punched me in the mouth. Uh, but that's another story. So it was a Saturday night, day three of James's life, and I worked until 2, got home around 2.30 or 3, and I remember the next morning, around 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm still very asleep, Heidi gets a call from the NICU, it's the nurse, and she says, hey, you guys probably want to get over here uh, because he's getting transferred to Sunset Kaiser because he needs heart surgery. B what? Can you say that again and possibly, like, I know doctors and nurses have a certain, how about a little bedside manner? There's got to be a better way to break that to us than that matter of fact. So wait, what? James had a congenital, congenital heart defect that they just discovered. Uh, a hole in the aorta. Uh, it's a rare thing, but luckily not a complicated fix or a difficult fix. And so uh, some, uh, most many babies have holes in their hearts, but this was a hole between the two chambers. So, you know, there's the blood before it hits the oxygen and then after it's hit the oxygen. And so there's the blue blood and the red blood. There was a hole between those two chambers. So the oxygenated blood and the used blood were mixing and that's not good. And so that's the hole they had to fix. So we get over there and we're just in shock. And, uh, um, I don't tell my parents because I know they're going to freak and they might have a freaking heart attack. So, um, I'm pretty sure I kept them in the dark at first. Uh, I do text my best friend, Dave, and, um, he, uh, as we're sitting there in the NICU trying to cope, uh, Heidi got to hold James for the first time as they were prepping him to go in the ambulance, uh, in walks Dave to the NICU. I have no idea how he got in there because there's a buzzer and uh, they typically only let parents in. Uh, but he comes in and immediately gives me a hug and, uh, he doesn't live close by either. He lives in, uh, Santa Clarita area. So for him to come down without me asking and right away, um, I'll never forget that. And that meant the world to me. Um, and so he stays with Heidi and me for the rest of the day, drives us down to sunset, which is about, uh, that's in over the hill. We're in the valley in the Sherman Oaks area. The sunset is Sunset Boulevard. That's LA proper. And so it's a 40 minute drive if traffic's not great, 25 minute drive if traffic's great. So Dave drives us over there. We get some Del Taco uh, comfort food. And uh, he spends the rest of the day with us. And we know nothing at this point. And our little three-day-old tiny dude is being packed up in an ambulance and driven over there. And it was just... 
it, so many ups and downs with that pregnancy and uh, the scary, the, the down of, oh, crap, he's coming. And then the up of, hey, he's doing really strong. And now a super down of he needs heart surgery. It's three days old. And we meet with the heart surgeon. Uh, Dr. Callan was his name. And we're super blessed that we got him. Uh, he is the best pediatric heart surgeon on this side of the United States. I think he said on this side of the Rockies, he's the best. And uh, it's true. Um, day six of James's life, he had the heart surgery. And it was early morning. The whole family was just huddled in the waiting room of Children's Hospital. That's where they did the, the surgery. And... The doctors knocked it out of the park, did it perfectly, and uh, everything went uh, well. They fixed everything. Uh, the only thing going forward that uh, remained was a heart murmur, and that was from the turbulence left by the scarring. And at the most recent um, uh, heart appointment, cardiac appointment, the doctor said, it was almost all gone and they expect as he gets bigger, it will go away. So, uh, the heart surgery went as well as it could have gone. Uh, it was absolutely terrifying and it, poor Heidi is, was super postpartum, uh, you know, having to drive after bed rest, having to drive over to sunset and those rooms at children's hospital had no sleeping arrangements. And so she slept on this little tiny love seat thing uh, for a night or two. And so having to drive over there was really traumatic. And for the first couple of weeks, we couldn't touch him because he was, his chest had been cracked open and he was all bandaged up and put back together. So super fragile, couldn't touch him. We eventually could touch the top of his head. I think he spent a, two weeks at Children's and then got transferred back to Sunset, Kaiser. And so hard for us to get out there. And um, Heidi couldn't drive for uh, a little while. And so having to rely on others to get him out, get her out there, because I can't drive because I'm blind. And, uh, but James slowly slowly got better he spent six weeks uh, he got sent home at six weeks old so uh, he had the surgery at six days old so five weeks after the surgery he was in the NICUs recovering and the bandages on the chest got smaller and smaller and he was doing well and um feedings were tough uh, and we're going through that now Cade seems to feed really well but Cecilia uh, seems to have some of the same trouble she'll fall asleep really early in a bottle meal uh, and then she has trouble burping uh, James was a chugger he would chug it and not <laughs> remember to breathe and maybe choke a little bit so we'd have to like, chug, 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 chug. Okay, take a break, buddy. Take a break. And let him process that for a few minutes. Um, uh, 
it was all a blur. Uh, I've got pictures on my iPhone of him cuddling on me. Uh, his, I've got a picture where my finger is giving him a fist bump and his fist is the size of the tip of my index finger. He was so tiny and uh, such a sweet little guy though. Um, <laughs> I am a big, warm dad and uh, all three kids seem to love cuddling on my chest. Um, I've got the magic touch at least at the premature baby uh, range. Um, and you know, starting to open his eyes more and more. I've got a really cool picture where he's got this little hoodie on in the NICU and his eyes are open. He's staring at me and he's reaching for me and it looks like he's trying to do a Jedi mind trick or something. And uh, week six, they sent him home, which we weren't ready for. I thought they were going to, because of the surgery and stuff, it, you know, he was born three pounds and 10 ounces. After the surgery, he was down to three pounds, two ounces. And so they were telling us, well, the surgery is going to delay his progress. So I was expecting him to come home at like his full term, which would have been nine weeks in the NICU. And I mean, Heidi is dealing with super postpartum and we're just not ready. Like it, we had no idea what we were doing. We didn't get to go to any of those parenting classes. Our first parenting class was supposed to be the week after the anatomy scan when she got put on bed rest. It's like, we didn't know how to do anything parenting wise. And I know they say, Oh, you figure it out. But we are scared to death, super postpartum wife. And oh yeah, I'm having foot surgery like in two weeks. I had a couple of broken toes and I have, I had hammer toes. So it's like my, if you scrunch up your knuckles, that's what my toes were like. My toes didn't go straight. They were scrunched up. And when I broke those from stubbing it, they healed even more funny. And so I was gonna have those surgically repaired and so I'm like, we are not ready. And they're like, well, too bad. Babies are coming home soon. And uh, back then they would have us do a overnight dry run. And so they stick us in this little tiny crappy room with two uncomfortable recliners and make you sleep with James and do the feedings and stuff. That was terrifying. And I got the flu from that or something nasty. And so... When James comes home, I'm sick as a dog and uh, super postpartum wife. So that was stressful, but little man came home and uh, scary, scary, scary. Um, but we obviously managed. He's doing fine at five years old now. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the following five years uh after coming home on another episode but that is the story of our first pregnancy so poor Heidi uh, never got a normal pregnancy experience she never got to walk around with a big belly and have people go oh how cute blah 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 um, so she feels robbed um, she's doing pretty good right now at least as far as I can tell and uh, she's willing to get medicated if necessary this time around. Uh, she didn't want to do that because the 
breast milk, I think, for the first one, and her postpartum lasted a year and a half. It was really rough. Uh, but as far as I can tell right now, she's doing pretty dang good. And uh, But I know that still has to rub her that her pregnancy was taken away so early this time and uh you know we announced the pregnancy in like november of uh james's first or james's pregnancy and then by january 5th she was put on bed rest so she didn't get to do any of that stuff she had to have a bed rest bright or baby shower um and, uh, you know, me, I didn't get to have any kind of a, a last hurrah or anything like that because I was on husband bed rest duty and, uh, just went straight into fatherhood and, uh, feel like I'm still, uh, reeling from that. Um, just when life seemed to sort of settle down, uh, which... By that I mean, okay, James is going to preschool. I've got, uh, you know, five-hour blocks during the day. Oh, but now my I'm going to have foot surgery again. So the other foot, fix those toes, uh, which is a six-week recovery. And uh, oh, and then my dad's going to pass away very slowly and uh, in a not fun way. So that was last spring. Uh, so that that was quote. Uh, life returning to normalcy um yeah but like early last fall uh for september that that was a nice little period james is going to preschool from eight to two five days a week and uh for that one month heidi's pregnancy was going pretty good uh so that was a that was a good nice month um yeah uh i've got a tattoo on my right arm it's james's initials and then his handprints from right after he came home, and then his birth date right below it. And I'm planning on getting the twins on the other arm. Uh, I don't care about symmetry, I don't think. Uh, I'm taking opinions, and uh, so you can tweet me and let me know what you think. Uh, the two choices are either mirroring James's tattoo on the other arm. So I would do uh, Cade and CC, so the names on the top row, then left hand of Cade, right hand of CC, and then their birth date. So that would mirror James's tattoo. Or Cade, his full handprints, birthday, next row down, then her handprints, and then her name below that. So it'd be a longer vertical tattoo, and I, like I said, I don't think I care about symmetry. Uh, I think it would fit under a t-shirt sleeve. Uh, I don't mind if it sticks out a little bit, but uh, those are my two choices. And I'm leaning towards doing the, the double because somebody posted on my Facebook that each kid is a individual and deserves their own tattoo. And I sort of agree. Uh, they are not half of what James is. And if James gets two hands on my arm then each twin should so that's what i'm leaning towards but tweet at me and let me know what you think you can reach me at starfleet panels on twitter 
And uh, my Instagram is at Cosmo, C-O-S-M-O underscore more, M-O-O-R-E. And you can hit me up either place. Instagram has plenty of kid photos, so feel free to get a look at what I'm talking about. And yeah, that, that's the story of James and uh, that pregnancy. And uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, before we go, we are going to hear from one more of our sponsors. Today's other sponsor is our LED light bulbs. No specific brand. LED light bulbs. You should buy them. They're worth the price. They're not as expensive as they used to be. So we moved into our current house in fall of 2016. Our previous place was a duplex and it was around 900 square feet. And every light bulb in the house was the old kind. Uh, every appliance was just a standard older appliance. When we moved into our new house, it was 1800 square feet. And we made the decision Every light bulb would be LED. We have recessed lighting throughout most of the house with LED bulbs. And our appliances would all be Energy Star. And shockingly, our electric bills are the same. Our little half the size duplex with traditional bulbs and non-Energy Star appliances our energy consumption was the same as this twice as big house. And okay, yeah, we've got the same number of people living in that area. But still, um, it's great not having to change light bulbs. I have literally not had to change a light bulb in three years. That's great. Uh, and they're so affordable now for these ones that are smart connected. And so I've got ones that connect to Alexa and I can say, set master bedroom to green. Now I've got green lights in the, the lamps on the bedside table. Necessary? No. Practical? Not really. Fun? Eh, sort of. Uh, and then uh, Alexa's good about hearing my name. So if I say, Alexa, set Cosmo's lamp to blue, that's fine. But when I say Heidi, Alexa sometimes hears how do. So if I say, Alexa, Heidi's lamp off, then she'll say, here's what I found. Here's how you turn off a light. Or, yeah. So Heidi gets really frustrated. So maybe that wasn't the best idea. Maybe I should put back in just the dumb LED bulb. But LED bulbs are great. And uh, you can, they make the warm white ones. I'm staring at our, uh, I think they're called sconces. The, the lights at the front by the garage. And they're the super bright, harsh white lights, which I'm fine illuminating our driveway where the car is. Um, but I wouldn't want that bright, is it called cool? Day daytime white light inside. But they do make warm LED lights and warm yellow or the ones that you can adjust with your smartphone. So, doesn't matter what brand. Go, go get yourself some LED bulbs. Keep an eye on Amazon, Costco. They often have six packs, 12 packs, 24 packs for reasonably priced stuff. Check with your electric company. LADWP will give you a few bulbs. And I've 
got a closet full of bulbs from when I just picked them up at Costco or Amazon or whatever. So uh, it's worth it. It's worth that initial investment. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's really not like I put the, the color changing Alexa bulbs in the garage one too. And last night while I was recording out here, I, I turned them blue because I didn't want to stare at these bright white things. And I forgot to. So when Heidi came out here to throw something away, she's like, those blue lights are too dark. Somebody's going to steal something from the car. And yeah, that's a valid point. And when the babies were born, I made one light pretty pink and one light blue. And uh, yeah, not, not really necessary. Kind of silly, but LED bulbs. You don't need the smart ones. Uh, they're, they're pretty cool and they work. So LED bulbs, get some. In the final segment today, uh, I'm going to talk about what we watched today. As a parent, we're all concerned, we should be concerned, about the screen time our kids get. James is five, and so I'll talk about what he watched today, how much, and then a little bit about what I watched. Uh, with the coronavirus and not having anything to do, specifically, uh, when James has been getting up we've been watching TV to start the day. And so he crawls into bed with me and I say, Hey, what do you want to watch? He recently, he's been into Tumbleleaf. It is a delightful show from Amazon prime. It is stop motion animation, which is beautiful. Um, I'm so pleased with every show that James has grooved with and Tumbleleaf is not obnoxious. Um, I, I was so dreading that as a parent, uh, that he would like some, something awful. I just could only imagine. And tumble leaf is nice, slow paced, beautiful stop go animation. It's about a, a fox that lives in an animal world and he has a finding place, a treasure chest where a friendly crab that lives on the beach finds something, puts it in a fig, the fox's finding place and that takes Fig and his best friend Stick the Caterpillar on an adventure that is usually cause and effect related. And it's just delightful. There's four seasons. Uh, check it out. Um, cannot recommend it highly enough. James has watched every episode uh, six, seven, eight, nine times. It, it, and I'm fine with it. Uh, so he watched about an hour of that. Then he had... Um, Zoom conferencing school for an hour. And then he's been all about, hey, tell me a story. And grandma tells him some interesting stories. She apparently told him about the Titanic. Because the other day he asked me, hey, daddy, how many people died on the Titanic? Ugh. Uh, hey, Alexa, how many people died on the Titanic? 1,500. Hey, 1,500 people died on the Titanic, James. And so I showed him a YouTube video of the computer-generated thing James Cameron made a few years ago. He's a perfectionist. He knew he had made some mistakes in the 1998 movie. 97 movie? Whatever. Uh, and so he did an hour-long special on history or discovery or whatever. And he redid... 
uh, computer animation of the sinking with the new information. So it's a two minute clip showing how the Titanic hit the iceberg and sank. And James dug that. And then I started to show him the ship sinking scene from the James Cameron movie. And I'm like, no, this is going to freak him out. He's going to get traumatized. It's too violent. Like the, the people pinballing off the things as the ship sinks, he's not going to dig that. Then I remembered there's the 1953 movie. I saw that as a youngster. So I bought that on iTunes, $9.99. And we watched that tonight with Grandma and Heidi, family movie night. And he watched the whole thing. Uh, lots of questions. Um, he's at that age where it, it just, why is that light on? What's that noise? What's that noise? What? Just watch the movie, buddy. And uh, towards the end, he was kind of sad that the people died. And uh, are they going to survive? Are they? Is the boy going to survive? Are all the boys going to die? Why, why the women and children get to go first? Valid questions, just but just watch the movie and we'll see who survives. And it had to have the talk about how those were actors and that the actors didn't die. But yes, it is sad that uh, those people died. It was a long time ago. And we learned from that mistake and about the lack of lifeboats. And now it's the law that there have to be plenty of lifeboats. So I wish Grandma had not told him about the Titanic, but... That's what James watched uh, after bedtime, before coming out here and doing this podcast. Um, gosh, what did I watch? I watched a little news. Uh, that's not fun. I watched 10 minutes of an old South Park episode. I watched the last half hour of Varsity Blues um, with way too many commercials. There were like four commercial breaks in that half hour. And then I watched a couple of YouTube videos of Screen Rant Pitch Meeting. If you've never checked that out, I think they're hilarious. It's one guy uh, doing a Hollywood pitch of a movie, but in a ridiculous fashion, making light of all the um, foibles of that movie. And so I, I watched um, Indiana Jones 4 Pitch Meeting and... Uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, it obviously didn't stick with me. But it's a hilarious series. There's over 100. Screen Rant is the YouTube channel. And Pitch Meeting is the series. It's hilarious. Uh, great YouTube rabbit hole to go down. And so that's what we watched today. And thank you so much for joining me. And I will talk to you very soon again i am cosmo you can reach me at starfleet panels on twitter or cosmo underscore more m-o-o-r-e on instagram and uh, thanks for joining me on this step of the journey and uh, look forward to taking that next step with you